Hi, and welcome to another episode of From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. Today, I have a very special guest on the show, my mom. Hi, mom. Welcome to the show. Hi, Rachel. Thank you. Are you excited to be here? I'm excited and a little nervous. That's okay. <laughs> I was I was contemplating yesterday how to introduce you to the show. I know a lot of people that follow me on Instagram, they've kind of met you a little bit through social media. And I didn't think it was enough to just call you mom. So I was imagining if I didn't know you or if you were sitting somewhere else and you were going to be introduced by a stranger, who are you when you're not mom? So this is what I what I found. <laughs> you are a serial entrepreneur, like me. You are an inventor. You invent super cool stuff. You are a problem solver of the highest caliber. You are a recovering addict, which is a good thing, I've learned. We'll talk about this a little more. And right now, you work with Cuddlings, a company you founded that makes cuddly band-aids to comfort children. And you also work with Target Aid, which is a new platform for charity. Aside from all of this, or perhaps above and beyond all of this, you are mom. So aside from me, I'm the oldest. You have my brother Ludwig, who's 26, my sister Hedda, who's 18, and Maya, who's 15. Does this, how does this feel, this introduction? Does it resonate? Hmm. It feels, it feels uh, professional in a way. It feels like a complete, like, not a dark side, but uh, like a totally different side from what I think people know me as. Because they know you as mom. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I feel I see myself as mom. Well, you are mom. Yeah, I am mom. And your name is Shama, mother, mother I should say. All... I didn't even say your yes. name. Shama, mom. Mom. The mother universal mom. Things. Yes. <laughs> that's not a bad thing. I think and you are really the cool. universal sister. I know. It kind of works. Yeah. So I wanted to... Uh, my sisters and brothers. So my brother lives in LA. I live in Aruba. I have a sister in Berlin. And then you have Maya, the youngest one who still lives with you in Stockholm. Being the universal mom, what is it like to have three out of four children living abroad? For me, it's uh, it's just the way it is. It's like supernatural. Uh, it was never an issue. I never, I never thought of it as an issue uh, or a problem. It was more like... I think since I got you when I was so young, I never got to travel. I never did. 20. I was 21. I was 21. 20 when I was pregnant. So I never got to study abroad or see the world like that, apart from vacations. So for me, that you went and that you took off, for me, that was like living part of my dream also. I never felt... Actually, I liked it. I, I remember when you lived in Uppsala for mm -hmm. a while like 60 kilometers from home. That was not so good for us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know really why, but it was... I don't think we are kind of destined for... To live in the same house? <laughs> no, but for normal life. You know, it's something that is... For me, this feels totally natural. It is. It's always been like this. Yeah, but people, people ask me that a lot. Don't you miss your family? You're so far away. I feel like we see each other all the time. I mean, you're here. This past year, yeah. you've been here like four times. I think I, I'm in Aruba eight to ten weeks every year. year. And, and the we thing go to Sweden is, too. And the thing is, when we meet, we are together 24-7 for 14 <laughs> days or three weeks or four weeks. And it's like... A lot. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's more than most people spend in the whole year. Probably. Because it's very intense. Yes. 
and then we're apart and we have FaceTime and Skype and so it's never it's never been a problem more like an opportunity I would say yes I get to see the world, travel. There's always some somewhere to go because you're always somewhere. Because it's really nice to miss each other too. Yeah, like But it's nice to. And I felt that since I got pregnant, like I really miss the family, familia muset, which is uh, mm. our special term for the family coziness. Mm. I never used to miss it, and now I really miss it. So then, when we are together, it's like super nice. <laughs> and I don't know if I'm unable to feel that longing, but I. I don't miss you in that negative way. It's more like a positive feeling knowing that I have a trip booked and if it's eight weeks ahead, that's eight weeks. It's not a... What about with Lea Luna now? Is it going to be harder? We don't know yet. <laughs> I don't know yet because I haven't separated from her yet. So that's going to be something because with you I separated so much, so many times. I mean, really when you were little also. Um, but with her, I don't know how it's going to be. Maybe it will be totally terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it will be hard. But I know you're coming in June, so yes. it's like already okay. Yes, we're yes. almost there. Already. Yes. But she's going to grow so much. I am a little mm. nervous about it. It's been so helpful having you here. <laughs> All the things I was freaking out about. Like, can she sleep on her belly? Yeah. <laughs> Is she allowed to have a pacifier? Yeah. Will she die if she cries? <laughs> I've learned all these things now. <laughs> That's really helpful. But we we asked a few questions through social media. So uh, you have a social media presence of your own. Mm -hmm. What's that like? What's that like? I don't know. It's it's more like it started as a tag along more to you. It was more like I didn't know what Instagram was like three years ago, and I created an account, and it was more. Um, to learn and to, to be able to follow you because I wasn't on Instagram. And then some people who follow you started to follow me and then it grew. And now it's like whenever you say something about me, I, I can wake up in the morning and I have 2,000 more followers doing nothing, just sleeping. <laughs> just sleeping, <laughs> collecting people. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I, for me, it's more like sometimes I tell a story, sometimes I just, you know, relate to you or to anyone else. Sometimes I'm upset, but that's not often. And uh, so it's more like, it's not a must that I must do. It's more like a fun thing, mm -hmm. I think. Yes. But we do a similar thing. So I, I go online and I tell a story of my day or if it's mm. shitty or if it's great. And I, I tell the truth about what's happening. And you mm. do the same thing. Mm. I think it's because it is what it is. And to tell what it's not, or to hide, and to try to make people believe that it's something different. It's actually a relief to say as it is, because then you can be yourself. You don't have to pretend. Mm -hmm. So it's more easy, actually, to say things out loud. Even the difficult things. Yes, and then you go and meet and connect with your friends. Mm -hmm. It's easy, because... If if I can tell the whole world, they are fine with it. Well, it's easy once you start, right? I feel like for a lot yeah. of people, this is really hard. So they ask, how are you doing? I'm fine, I'm fine, everything is fine. Maybe it's not fine. But once you start telling yeah. the story, actually, this is my life today. It's not fine. But it's, <laughs> And it's not a big deal. Right. I mean, this about um, being an addict, for example. Everyone is, a, is an addict. I don't think I'm more an addict than most people. 
It's just that like, not everybody goes to meetings. <clears throat> no. Do you remember when we lived in the house, I had a magnet that said, I'm not an alcoholic, I'm drunk. Addicts, <laughs> nay, alcoholics goes to meetings. Yes. <laughs> and now it's the opposite. I'm not drunk, I'm an alcoholic, I go to meetings. Yes. But um, I don't think it makes me any different from what I was before. No, no, I mean... It, it is what it is. And it's uh, it's a relief. But how actually. many how many months of total sobriety? Do you it's have soon now? ten months, and uh, so it's like since Lea Luna was conceived, you've been sober. It's like literally people ask. It's not like I've been drinking every day and being like a heavily drunk person your whole life. No, no, absolutely not. But when you were not born, but when you were made, I was an alcoholic. The years between 17 and 20, I can absolutely tell. I was really, really uh, alcoholic. So, and I always said that this pregnancy saved me. And I feel that way today also, that that was like the first time God came present in my life. Something bigger than me took over and I just had to follow. Because to keep you was not the first um, option. That was like the second option. The first option was to have an abortion, of course, because I was uh, three months in the pregnancy when I realized I was and pregnant. Drinking. And drinking, yes. And being very unhappy, totally unhappy. So to keep you was not, um, it was not the natural option. But then my mom, I asked my mom what to do, and she said, we can always take care of a child. And for me, that's the... I think that was, in a way, God speaking through her to me also. It was like something bigger than us knew that you needed to happen. Because so, it's not really her natural, wasn't really no, her natural it's not way. No, it was not her way to support me. Mm. It was like so totally not her way to support me. But whenever I got pregnant with you, she was able to support me. And that's also interesting because before that, she could not be there for me. But when I got pregnant, she could be. So everything shifted when I got pregnant. And then I think, I mean, during these years, I had like at least eight years of totally off alcohol, of course, when being pregnant and breastfeeding and so on. Just so, four kids and then yeah. a year. Of <laughs> so it's not been like that, but it's more like when you, and this is also, I, this is my true conviction that, do you say that, conviction? Over yeah, your true belief. Yeah, that when you got pregnant... God actually visited me again and said, this has got to stop. So he was, someone was literally speaking in my bedroom one morning, 15th of June, saying, you got to stop this. And I'm like, and I knew totally what it was because I was out the day before drinking, having a lot of fun with my friends and still woke up, hangover, and this voice is talking in my bedroom like, and I just knew so since then, I haven't been drinking. Nothing. And it's almost the same time Lea Luna was conceived. Yeah. It's really, <laughs> it's really crazy. But it I is. feel like, so Murmur for me, Murmur is Swedish. It means mother's mother or grandmother. So my grandmother, your mother, she mm. was really different as a grandmother than she was as a mom. Mm. I mean, she was, I think she had her different mom qualities during different stages in her life. I think she was much more mothering with my sisters. And when I came, I was born into a divorce. And the, the, 
wasn't enough of her. But I think when you came, there was enough of her to become a grandmother. But I think there was never enough of my mom to mother me in that sense. So when she passed away, she never said, I love you. She never, she wasn't a hugging, caring person, but with you, she was. With I your brother, always, she was. Always, yeah. always, yes, I know. But I could never hug her. She could never hug me. Mm. And she couldn't say, you remember when she died a few years ago? And I said, I love you, Mom. And she said, and I'm not going to tell you what I think about you. And that is so weird. And for me, it's so strange to, to have that relationship with your child that you cannot express feelings. Mm. But that's how I grew up. So Do you think maybe it was too close? That there was know. pain there, or uh, I think now because she was so she was such a like as a murmur she was totally. <laughs> I think she compensated. You know, I think she gave you everything that she couldn't give me, mm. and I think also I was a difficult child. I was very much like you, with one big difference: I wasn't happy, but you were quite happy. You were being rebellious but happy. Mm. Mm. Not, fundamentally yeah, okay. Yeah, fundamentally okay, you know, because you were you were extremely loved, both by your dad and me, and you were brilliant in everything you did. You have you had like a solid ground. And I think for mom to get me and not being able to support and comfort and to be there, to not be enough, I think she gave up, you know. I think she wished for me to kind of make it on my own, and when, I mean, she was always there. She was always there for us, always caring for you. I think she realized, she channeled her love to me through you. Mm -hmm. So it was not not given, but she couldn't give it directly, directly. to me. Yeah, I think so. That's, mm. And how about for you? You think you will be different as a grandma compared to as a mom? I think I'm... Do you remember you said, because I, I always felt I wanted to be like the totally different opposite to my mom with well, you. you were, you were like the cool mom. Yeah, I wanted <laughs> to be the cool mom who was always there. The who, young mom. Yes, and always yes. took you to places and did everything and who loved you so much and expressed it and, you know, being really out there. But you wanted an old mom at <laughs> home, <laughs> baking buns. People said so like, often, oh, are you guys sisters? And, I <laughs> and you hated, hated it. it. No. Do you remember we played golf once? And this golf uh, coach, he asked, oh, you're sisters? And you you were so grumpy. So grumpy, because so that grumpy. sucks. Yeah, it sucks. You know? yeah, but it sucks. <laughs> I was like 15. It totally sucks. Yes. You're 35. So either I look at 15 like I'm in my 30s, <laughs> or I have a mom who looks like a teenager. Either way, it's not good. <laughs> it's, it's totally bad. <laughs> it's, it's better than having people think that you're your dad's girlfriend though because that used to yeah, also that happen was, that was really horrible that, that's worse <laughs> that's much worse <laughs> oh, so funny yes. The world is changing now more than ever. We all need more than one source of income, but not everyone wants to quit their jobs and become a startup founder. That's what Side Hustle School is all about. It's a short daily podcast, seven days a week, that tells stories of ordinary people making extra money without quitting their jobs. The host, Chris Gillabo, also has an intriguing new book out there this month called The Money Tree. It's an engaging story of how you have the power to create your own financial destiny, something that's especially important in this time of uncertainty. Get your copy of The Money Tree today from any bookstore or online retailer. Learn more at moneytreebook.com and listen to Side Hustle School wherever you get your podcasts.
Well, what about, we've been speaking about this 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 week in Aruba. So the idea of breaking karmic patterns, we've mm. spoken about this. And I shared mm. this a little bit in my second podcast when I spoke about manifesting abundance and the idea of some patterns just repeat themselves in your life. And sometimes they mm. are passed on through generations. And, you know, you can sometimes have something in your life that just doesn't work and you work on it, but it still keeps happening again and again if it's mm. pain or relationship issues or you know like a block in your life and the the epiphany that we have had with Lea Luna's birth is that she is the she's the fresh child <laughs> like she is the the child that is born with nothing on her shoulders mm. because we took on a lot because we took it we took I think you and I took on a lot really and my mom and her mom and everybody. Maybe yes, whole... I mean, generations back, I th I think there's like generations, especially women who are fighting and struggling and really are cut off and that the next generation has to work on that and the next one and the next one. But I f feel that both you and me doing all this work with ourselves and really wanting to to change, to not bring it on to the next generation, to be a bit better. I mean, for me... I, my, the rest of my life, I want to dedicate to be, become a better person. I mean, you can always approve. You can always become kinder, you know, more gentle, more humble. There's always an improvement to make. And to realize that there was actually a lot of errors in myself. That is what I learned through sobriety. It's not so much about stop drinking alcohol. It's more about what am I? Why am I? Why do I repeat patterns? Why do you pick them up? Why are you exactly like I was when you were 17? Why do you repeat my own, my shit? Even if you don't have the same parents, the same situation, why do you do it? Hmm. And that was really to see you sometimes doing exactly the same thing as I did. Not having, you know, not loss, um, the loss of your daddy or in that way, not having this big grief, or, but you still did it. And that's weird, in a way. And to see that, okay, we can change it, but you must want to change, and I must want to change. I could never do it, or you could never do it. Hmm. So I think the two generations can kind of close a trauma if they work on it, but I don't think one generation can fix, fix it. No, I don't think so. Because it's about the relationship. You know, it's and it's, it's from relate. the past. Yeah. It's from the past. I think the feeling of support Lea Luna has, she has you and she has me. You had me and my mom. I had more or less no one behind me. My mom more or less had no one behind, you know. Uh, and my mom skipped my generation. She poured her love straight into you which means that she cut off. There's something that has to, you know, will work to heal. There was a, a gap there. There is a yeah. gap and there is like, there is a block in the flow, you know. Did I ever, I think I told you maybe once, did I ever tell you about the, my first chocolate ceremony that I ever did, the first cacao ceremony I ever did? I don't remember. It was my first year in Costa Rica. I was 19 or 20, really young. And I did this cacao ceremony with a, with a cacao shaman, which was really, 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 really intense. And I spent five or six hours crying. But the feeling was really, the feeling was it wasn't my crying. Mm. It was feeling like I'm crying other people's tears. It was totally, mm. 
totally absurd. And then he did a, a one-on-one really deep work with me. And he explained to me, okay, you're, you're sitting here in life. And then behind you, you see your mother. And behind to your left, and behind you to your right, you see your dad. And then behind your mom, to her left is her mom. And then to her right is her dad. And behind your dad is his parents. And it continues back like this mm-hmm. big triangle of your entire ancestry, your whole lineage of all generations of people. And as he guided me deeper and deeper, he started talking about this, uh, saying that I come from an ancestry of extreme pain, of extreme mm-hmm. emotional and and physical also abuse. And I could see these visions of people that I didn't know, but I knew like this is my grandfather's dad or you know, people that mm-hmm. I never met that are so far back. And I could see them in these visions as children being hurt by their parents. Mm-hmm. In different ways, and I could see really specific scenarios that I that I never that I never knew, and then how they grew up, and they wanted to be really good with their kids, and they just had all this love, but it, they were too broken. So then they treated mm-hmm. the kids also in really similar ways, and it was passed on, passed on, passed on, and I could even see specific scenarios with you and with dad of of this these difficult childhood things, mm-hmm. and then this this shaman he told me he says this is a very interesting place you are at because with you the cycle ends he says really so when you have a child when you have a daughter he told me i was 20 you she will not have this pain it will end with you so the process of of releasing this and letting go of it is happening in this lifetime now so the next generation will be free Mm. and i was really young i didn't have you know i didn't know Dennis. i didn't know my who i was gonna marry or be with or think about children or anything like that but it really I really believe it. Mm. Like, I really, really believe it. And I can feel it now how, you know, the difference between you, when you were 20 and you got pregnant with me, and me, I'm 28, and I'm having mm. having her. It's totally two different scenarios in terms of support, mm. right? So I have you mm. with this 100% unconditional love and support. I have Dennis. We don't have a trauma. We don't have a grief. We don't have a, you know, something that distracts from loving her. Mm. And I, I really, really... I really think she will she will grow up to be this. I think so too because she has she has nothing bad in her closest generations back. It's it's really Right. I mean of course you know bad things will happen <clears throat> and, and you cannot control the future but I don't think she's coming with a baggage of someone else. No. Right. And that's magical. Mm. <laughs> it is, but I but I am also 100% sure that we did a big job yes no i i am certain that when my mom uttered the words we can always take care of a baby she wasn't the one talking because there was something talking to her Hmm. and we kept you and we cared for you so much and that there was something bigger and then we could have fucked it up Hmm. so many times but now we are here and uh, all is well. I was on the beach today thinking, it's extremely strange, but there's nothing I want to do. There's nothing I need to do. <laughs> I have no wish to, you know, normally when I'm here, I'm doing a lot, you know, fixing a lot, creating a lot. And now I'm just like, everything is just really peaceful. Nothing is happening. And it's super cool. <laughs> We're just sitting on the couch with the baby. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's like, and everything is exactly where it should be. There's nothing, you know, itching. There's nothing. No, but there's a different energy now. It's, uh, I don't know. And I feel the past, <laughs> the past year, because at the same time that you, you know, became totally sober and had this epiphany and I got pregnant and I went to Path of Love and I had this week retreat that was all about you. 
mm. all about you and the difficulties. And we had this challenging time. But now, a year ago, people ask, oh, but what is it like? And then you have this challenging past and your mom. And we had a lot of death and uh, depression and suicide mm. attempts and mm. heavy things in our past. And they would always be the first thing to, to surface when someone asks, how's your mom? Mm. And then I would wonder, mm. I don't know how she is. I don't know. I feel like it was so heavy. Mm. And now people ask, what is it like? These things don't pop into my head at mm. all. It's like they ceased but it's existing. Really, they, they, don't, they don't hurt. It's not pain No, anymore. but even a year ago, it was pain. And now... Uh. It's, it's totally not different. No, it's not pain. No, and we got some questions through social media because we both you and I in social media spoke about this about you moving to depression and and suicidal thoughts and things like that. Mm. Like, are you worried about your mom? And my whole life, for as long as I can remember, I was always worried about you, mm. and now I am not. And it's a very strange feeling. And there was there was a question about addiction and depression, and uh, and of course there is addiction and mental illness and i mean one gives the other and and to be mentally sane to have like a healthy human being and be an addict and if it's uh, alcohol or drugs or if it's food or if it's instagram or if it's yoga or it doesn't matter what addiction takes you or you need to practice to to get away from anxiety. But can you talk about that a little bit? Because I think for most people, when they think addiction, they think drugs or they think alcohol. No, yeah, but... It's, the idea it's, of addiction like, yeah, being A bottle anything. of wine can be healthy, uh, a glass of wine can be healthy and nice, but be, it can also be, in most cases, it's self-medicating. You come home from work really super tired and you take a glass of wine or two. Then it's like a relief, but it's a two, would you say, a sword with two... Two-edged sword. Two yeah. edges, So yes. how do you... What do you think differentiates I think two? I think that, that mental illness... But it's a difference needing it. Like, I need this glass of wine to unwind. It doesn't, or, doesn't, oh, I'm enjoying this socially. No, it doesn't, it doesn't really... They say that if, if you don't feel good before, during, and after you eat or practice something, then it's an addiction. If... Some way is if it before you think the thought, you have anxiety, or when you eat the food, you are anxious, or afterwards you need to go throw up, then it's not good for you. And the thing is, everything we do that is not good for us is bad. It's like, and if we keep practicing that, we keep hitting ourselves, and there's no way we can have a healthy mental state. It doesn't matter what we do. If we practice yoga 10 times a week, but it's compulsive, then it's not good for us. Even a positive practice can become negative. Yes. It's, mm -hmm. So it's more like about, is this good for me? Yes or no. But if you are an addict, you don't know. You're totally clueless what's good for you or not. You're totally clueless of your addictions. I mean, the phone, all people are addicted to their phones these days. But they think it's healthy and it's okay because everyone is. Mm -hmm. But how it's does normal, it make... It's normal, but same with wine. Yeah, I mean, it's and Instagram. And how does it make you feel? Mm -hmm. And comparing and... But for me, this mental illness, I, I would say we spoke about it a lot, that the biggest, for me, the biggest uh, disease is not... Or the biggest addiction is not alcohol. It's, it's poor me. Me, mm -hmm. myself and I, poor me. And I remember when I tried... To commit suicide, people said that it was so selfish of me. At that time, I didn't, I didn't think of it as that because I felt I had no option. 
But now I can see it's, it is selfish. Because the thing is that who are you thinking of at that point? I'm thinking about me. I'm not thinking about you. I mean, if you were thinking about me, you wouldn't be able probably to... No, because and the thing is it. that my mental illness became so severe that I couldn't see anything outside my own negative circle. So it just went spinning down. And I've learned now that if I have a negative thought about myself, my focus is on me. And then I need to go and do something for someone else. To remove myself from that situation, that negative situation, I need to, do, to be of service to someone else. That's the best, best way to This recover. is a really big piece. And I feel like people mm -hmm. at home can resonate with this, with this too. So whatever practice that you're stuck with or that you... That is making you unhappy or that is really unhealthy mm. for you. Or whenever mm. you get stuck in this mental pattern of my life is horrible or I am stuck in this and I am not good enough or I am ugly or I am whatever. The way out of that is to be of service. Yes. To step out. And to step out ask. and ask, what can I do for you? Mm. Do you need any help today? And how does that manifest now in your life? <clears throat> for me, I began, and this is funny, I began, I don't know if you realized, I began sending you texts, yes. all kids. Yes. <laughs> we I, have a little group have, on WhatsApp. <laughs> well, I begin my morning saying, hi, hi, children, do you need something? <laughs> Anyone needs some money? Anyone needs support in some way? And your brother is like, now after a few months, he's like, no, mom, Stop do asking. you need something? <laughs> he's very annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> with me. Every day. How can I help you? <laughs> no, I don't do it now. But in the beginning, it was good for me to practice, to really get out of myself. Mm. So, And I, I know, for me, the, this feeling sorry for myself is the quickest road to depression. Mm. So I need to snap out of it. I need to go out, move, move my body, go up, make breakfast, take care of the dogs, call a friend, ask, do you need something? And I think this is how, because yoga can be, I mean, it is a really good tool if you stay awake. My mom <laughs> mom always falls asleep in my yoga classes. But the idea of, of getting out of your head and connecting to something that's real, mm. right? So the idea of my life is horrible, I'm a horrible person, I am worthless, it's not real. But my body is real. I can feel my body on my yoga mat. You know, I mm. think this is what really mm. helps people because it gives you a break from this martyrship of, you mm. know, everything. Life happens to me, not for me. There is, there is an important ingredient in, in this. It's called resilience. I don't know what the Swedish word is, but I, I, <clears throat> when I begin, I had none. You know, the, the, the capacity to cope with pain. Resilience, With yes. pain. You know, to be able to sit with pain is terrible. I mean, to sit with pain is like you're, you want to die. If someone dies and to feel that pain... To you know, stay there and not to escape. To stay there and not escape. But instead of staying, you look for one million ways out. Like, not, none of them will work. Like friends, talking to someone, you remember, even, or alcohol. When, when my, when my um, fiancé died in a plane crash, mm. I ran three or four times daily. Whenever I felt pain... I took on my running shoes and I ran. And I ran until the endorphins kind of leveled up a tiny bit. And then I was home for two hours and then I needed to go out running again. So I tried to run away from my pain. I really Literally. ran away from Didn't my pain. Did anybody say that this is maybe not great behavior? But nothing was great. Nothing I did was great during that time. I tried every, you know, every escape. 
alcohol, other guys running, you know, traveling, just working, everything, nothing worked. But to able to sit with pain, even if it's just for one second, because to, to endure it, then it stretches you and you become a little more capable to sit with it for 10 seconds. And then it stretches. And for me, I never dared to be in that place because I was, I was so afraid that I think that's my fear was always that I'm going to be so scared, so afraid and so lonely, so I'm going to kill myself. And eventually that was my th- big threat. Yeah, but how can you sit with pain if you might, it might kill you? It might kill you, because right, the feeling is run. that it might kill you. I'm going right. to die, I'm going to die. But to realize now that, okay, nothing is going to kill me. Nothing that is happening to me except someone is going to shoot me or really Something kill me. Something out of your yes. control, yeah. Nothing emotional that will happen to me is going to kill me. Hmm. It's actually here to teach me something, to make me grow. To but you know, this was also person. my... My my fear growing up because of this mm. was always that you you were never allowed to be sad because then it might kill you. <laughs> I mean, it was also my experience, even though I was so mm. little. So it was always like, how can I make mom happy today? Mm. You know, which is also not a very uh, healthy... No, it's <laughs> terrible. I mean, it's a terrible thing. situation. Mm. Totally terrible situation. And yeah, I don't know about grief. People asked about grief and support is in so important people physical support people close people holding you hugging you staying people who can sit with you in this pain without without trying to comfort mm -hmm. you without trying to fix you people that can just sit with you to make you realize that okay you can actually you are going to survive this you know even when when andrea one of my best friends died Mm -hmm. to Uh, it was almost it is already three years ago god time flies but after that we were i had surgery that same day so i normally my way of coping with intense pain is also to run you know to escape Mm -hmm. and for me i dive into yoga or really extreme uh, maybe extreme levels of work like really distracting myself or alcohol is also my Mm -hmm. my my go-to and here i was in this hospital bed and i couldn't move right i couldn't I couldn't reach for my yoga mat. I couldn't, you know, even go for a walk. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't go for my alcohol, nothing. I was stuck in this non-moving. And I really believe it's what made me heal mm-hmm. faster from that because mm-hmm. I had to burn through this mm-hmm. pain. I had to sit with this pain. And I, and I really remember one of the, it was a few days in and and Dennis was so, he was so wonderful and so dedicated to helping me mm-hmm. move through. And one of our best friends, uh, Patrick, had just lost his dad the week before. And I remember in the morning, Dennis would kind of swoop in and he would open up the drapes and he says, you have to see the light, there's sunshine, It's the life is beautiful today. You know, don't be stuck here, let's, let's go outside. And then he would go out to get something and then Patrick would look at me and he got up and he closed all the drapes. Mm-hmm. And he lay down, he said, let's stay here. Mm-hmm. And I remember feeling so comforted by this, okay, wait, mm-hmm. with him I can just be totally in this pain you know but for Dennis Mm. it was too much because he was also scared what if this pain kills her Mm. you know we need to bring Mm. the sunshine in or maybe I lose her you know it's totally a huge lesson in in resilience yeah Yeah. in in learning how to sit and and also to speak about pain to speak about suicide to speak about grief to speak about that emotions take you over so much that you don't want to live even if you have four children 
you don't want to live. It's like the emotional life can actually become take you over, and that that is not normal. But that it is, happens a lot. It happens a lot because we don't have the support system. I mean, when someone dies, we literally have to be with that person, you know, because that person becomes totally like a baby, doesn't know how to eat, how to sleep, how to walk and talk, everything. The person of, affected, you mean? The person, yes, uh -huh. exactly. So you have to really, I think this um, community that we lack that we don't have the families that are close and strong and that we also that, you know, this surface lifestyle that we have to look good, everything has to be okay and so on and we don't speak about stuff. But it's hard for people, you know. I know it's I hard mean, it's for hard. People. people don't know how to, uh, how do I genuinely look this person in the eye and say, you know, I am so sorry, can I be here for you? It's easier to say... Oh, you know, I heard, I heard, I'm so, oh, that's so hard. And what are you doing today? Mm -hmm. And you kind of brush over and you, the surface is, is easier, you know, for people yeah, around. And, and yes, because you don't, it's like you, you are afraid that you will be infected too of this and grief. And, but then you have to come in and then you have to take turns and you go out and you be there for a little while and you speak about it and then you go out and you come back and you mean i mean you don't quit your own life but i can tell you in my moments of grief if i wouldn't have had my girlfriends at those times both when stefan died and now the three years ago when i separated from my husband if i wouldn't have had my girlfriends I don't know how I would have managed the easy task, walking the dogs, taking a shower, getting dressed, you know. And they took turns. They came and they were there for a few hours and then they left and they came back. And, and these women, I feel, they are like the, what do you say, my, my, the airbag. It's mm. like you have, you, you, I think we are meant to be like that. And when shit happens, because it does. And I feel if you don't have support, I think that's the biggest issue. People don't feel that they have support. They are too lonely. You know, no one loves me. I'm not welcome. You know, and that's not true. You also have to ask for help. And that's a big, big that's one. That's a really big one. You have to ask. Help to is not, not there. That you have to cope on your own, or I can do this, or... And that's yeah. like to like surrender a, mm -hmm. to... Yeah, and this is... I think especially for men, I think this is why, because I know in suicide, more women attempt, but more men succeed. You know, this idea of, of being really vulnerable and saying, I can't manage on my own. It's not easy no, to, to do. No, to surrender. To surrender to, and say... And this is also the thing, as long as we think we are alone, as long as I think I need to manage on my own, I need to... Life is a struggle. Hmm. But the moment I surrender, I say, I cannot do this. I don't manage. There is a bigger force in the universe that comes in and brings in the right person, the right situation. As soon as I surrender, I said, I, I don't manage. But to let go and to really invite, to, to ask for help and then to receive help, to accept, accept it accept when it comes. It. There is like, and I think that's a learning, to really ask for help and little things. People are so stupid, I think. We are so stupid. I mean, if you look at me, to manage everything, houses, companies, children, financial support, everything. Alone. I, yes. Did I struggle? Yes. <laughs> because I, I was like, I have to do this alone. And now I don't struggle. I, you know, everything, life is very easy. 
I was offered a new job four months ago. I didn't ask for a new job. It was just there because I don't struggle anymore. I feel now I'm more, you know... Softer a little bit. Yeah, and I'm held. There is something bigger than me Hmm. in play, at play right now. So what if someone, maybe someone who's listening, who is in this moment moving through grief? Hmm. What would you say? What advice can we give? Hmm. This is probably strange, but grief is like giving birth. It's like when when it's not there, it's not there. I mean, giving birth is the the moments after birth. You feel like I will never do this again, and two years later you're pregnant, <laughs> and you're going to do it again. And it's the same with grief. When you don't feel it, when it's not there, it's impossible to recollect how it is. So for those of you who are suffering a loss or a grief of a loved one right now, it's hard for me to relate to it. Because you're not living it I'm not living it at the moment. And I think that's a positive thing. Because I I really, I lost my dad when I was 18. I lost the love of my life when I was 26. Um, My husband who left three years ago, I really loved him. But now, today... None of these three losses are, what shall I say, present emotionally in a, in a negative way. I, I look, it's, it's more like a soft, loving way. It's also knowing that I wouldn't have been so sad if, I, if there w- wasn't a lot of love. So I think if, to grieve is just like the, if you don't, you didn't love. Right, it's the remembrance of how big the love that was yes. once there. So I think the, 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 the idea of not escaping, right? yeah, so the idea to of sit, sitting to with To sit pain. with pain and to invite someone to sit with pain with, with you. you and to also not be run over, not let yourself be run over. Listen in and feel like, do I need to be comforted right now? Do I need to be held or do I just want you to sit here with me and to speak and... You know, not be afraid that people will leave you. I think to in moments of grief or depression or to be true to yourself, because I think that's the only one we should learn to be true to, hmm. more or less. It's the only person we betray our whole lives, trying to please everyone else, including our children, our parents. It's like we're stuck between generations trying to be a good child or trying to be a good mom or father it's it's not easy but i think the the biggest lesson is to be true to yourself first and then things will follow that's and, beautiful to not compromise you yeah <laughs> and i think we have different um what is that uh prerequisites Yes, some are born in happy families with a lot of love and no one is dying and everything is more or less sunshine. And some are born, you know, um, in terrible circumstances and have so much shit happening during the first years and so. We are different, but if we all believe that we are actually born that way in that situation to be here as we are and to learn and heal and develop from that platform... It's just the perfect situation. For me, right now, my upbringing was the perfect 
Because, yes. yes, otherwise and, you wouldn't be mine. here. Yes, yes. That's, it's just yes. like... But some of the questions that we got, a few of them, actually, I think people struggle with this personally a lot, was, was uh, how were you able to forgive? So both of us, if you had mm. a shitty time with grandma and I had a shitty time with you, how are we able to forgive? But if everything brings us here because we're meant to be here mm. and then maybe become teachers or healers mm. or really be here for a reason, then there's, there's nothing to forgive because it was perfect, even the really mm. hard times. I'm going to tell you one thing I haven't told you because I found out just yesterday, I think. When I went to my first uh, retreat, my first personal growth uh, whatever it's called a few days in i said to a person i said but my only reason to be is because i'm a mom your only reason of existing yes i'm i'm existing because i have my children my children are my reason to be and he looked at me very very strange and said but that's not true you are you of course, you have a purpose. You have something to do. I mean, that's the sickest thing I ever heard. So, and I struggle with that, trying to become something, trying to find me, trying to, you know, navigate and, uh, I don't know, make something of myself. But now, the last year, I come to one conclusion. I come back to the source. It's like... I'm here. One of the biggest reasons for me to walk on this planet is because I'm your mother. It's like, that's my reason to be. Four children actually came out of me to be here and do the things you are supposed to do. And to not, to minimize that and to, when you leave, and move out, I'm, I'm supposed to do something with my life. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> You're so like, stupid. I did a lot. <laughs> yeah, I did a lot. But it's like, of course, this is, it's, it's like the most important role I've played. It, there will never be anything more important for me mm. to do than no, to be your mother. No, but what else there be? No. No, and it, no. it's just so stupid. And I also had all these, these thoughts and, and ideas and with this community and all these people listening in and it's such a huge blessing. But then now I have this baby and then what... I've kind of lost uh, my footing a little bit and everything else because it doesn't mm. feel very urgent anymore. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's a whole new... Uh, mm. It's a whole new role. Like everything else... And I never had that feeling before. I really feel like everything else can fall away as long as, as I can be good for her, as long as I can mm. be like a really, really good mom with her, then, then everything is okay. But can you feel the presence of God or something bigger... In her? Yes. In your life? Yes. Like this feeling that I did not create this. Yes. <laughs> and it's also like, during the birth. It was like this outer, like, divine, outer worldly. Yeah. Like, so, uh, almost like she she arranged this. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's, it's almost like, okay. Yeah. And for me, because before I was asked during a retreat, whenever I felt the presence of God in my life, and I said, I can name four times. Hmm. It's giving birth. And a few days after birth. And they were like, what? You never felt this? And no, I said, no, I haven't. And now I can so totally see it. Now I feel it almost every day. The presence of something bigger. But before, it was these four times. During like 35 years. Nothing else. Totally quiet. <laughs> totally insane. <Yeah. sighs> we're entering this whole new... 
this is a whole new chapter for everyone. <laughs> I'm wondering when when the Instagram community is going to get bored of Lea Luna because <laughs> someone commented yesterday, can we see a photo of you again? And I said, who is going to take photos of me? Who, who is interested who is that? in that? Who wants to see that? <laughs> I only have one dimple. She has two. <laughs> it's totally, totally divide everything. <laughs> Oh, so oh, funny. So I want to wanna thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for inviting me and having me. And I want to thank you for having me in your life like this. People ask how our relationship is. And it's it's like, I think it's all I ever wanted it to be. Right now. Yeah. Hmm. To be able to come and go in each other's life and to be welcome. And, you know, to just have this kind of flow then this is even melting into our <laughs> <Yes>. life <laughs> it's really funny all we it have used to, to be is... much more distant to me and now it feels like we're all melting into one Lea used Luna to say, blob he used to say Rachel are you sure that your mom building a house in our backyard is a good idea <laughs> <laughs> and now he's like hmm this is really nice to have more and more here a lot. but not not a house in the backyard no <laughs> Yes. Well, thank you so much. I love you. I love you, mm. baby girl. Mm. Thank you so much to my beautiful mom, Shama, for being a guest on this show. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. You can find these on rachelbraithen.com, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review while you're here. Thank you to the folks at Digital Media for their production work. I'll see you all next week.